is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 582, recorded on Monday, April the 11th, 2022. Welcome, one and all, to the show. I hope everyone is having a great week. We are here to talk about the second mid-season finale of The Walking Dead. It's very exciting. Jason, are you excited? Uh, Yeah. Well, I've seen it already, so I'm not as excited as I would have been or was before the show. But I am happy to be here. That's uh, good. Yeah, that's good. I'm I'm happy you're happy. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. And after this, there's no more Walking Dead for a little while. Well, that's not actually true. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but there's no more Walking Dead Prime for a little while. The big show, yeah. The big show. There is definitely some Walking Dead uh, out there. Anyways, before we start tonight... I just want to talk about something real quick. Uh, Our friend of the show and fellow podcaster, fellow Walking Dead podcaster, Jason Capassi over there in California who runs Podcastica and does the Walking Dead cast, another fantastic Walking Dead podcast amongst many others that he does. He's also the guy that I, you know, recorded the show about the Mandalorian with and uh, going back a little farther, Ash versus Evil Dead. So I've recorded with him a number of times. Him and I, and, and some other people, have been talking about a series finale event. Okay. And by that, I mean basically a watching party for the final, final episode of The Walking Dead coming up later this fall. And he's put together a very, very brief survey that uh, he wants people to fill out, if if possible, to try and get a rough idea of the interest in doing something like this. So kind of a head count, really, for those who would consider coming. So he asked me to put the link out there uh, to our listeners and, you know, see if there's anybody out there who would be interested in going to something like this. There are no details yet because we don't really, we don't even know officially when the Walking Dead finale episode will air, episode number 24. Um, but the idea is to rent out a theater, get everybody together and watch it and then probably record a podcast after that kind of thing. It does mean going to San Francisco but I'm on board 100%. I love San Francisco. I love California. So if this happens, I'm planning to be there. You and I will talk, Jason. Yes. Um, but, I'm at about 4%, but yes. Well, we'll talk. Uh, but but just, you know, that's all sort of premature. For now, it's just uh, let's, let's send the link out to people. I'll put it in the show notes for this show, but I'm also going to say it right now. If you wouldn't mind, if you have any interest in this kind of thing, visit podcastica.com slash TWD finale party, and that'll direct you to the link. So it's podcastica.com slash TWD F-I-N-A-L-E party and uh, fill out that link. And we'll just sort of get an idea of the headcount. It'll determine A, if it happens at all, probably, but also B, the size of the theater we might need and, and stuff like that. So um, if you wouldn't mind, 
go check, go to that link, fill it out, and we'll see what happens. And if this progresses forward, then lots more information will be coming on the air here. And I think it would be really fun. Sounds fun. It's going to be great. I hope it does happen. It, it's uh, it, it's going to be awesome. Like to just get everybody together, hang out, watch this thing, and uh, and then talk about it after. I think it'd be great. Plus, it's in San Francisco, which can't go wrong. So that's podcastica.com slash TWD finale party. Go fill out the quick survey. It's like two questions. It's not a not a big deal. <laughs> would you go? Yes. Is San Francisco a place you would go? Yes. Something like, it's basically it. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. Uh, all right. With that out of the way, let's get into what we are here to do. And that is talk about the mid-season finale of The Walking Dead. Super. Season 11, episode 16, The Walking Dead, Acts of God. I imagine tornadoes, hurricanes, maybe a tsunami. No, locusts. Locusts? You have my sword, and you have my bow, and my axe of God. Hello, rabbit. I am here. Uh... What up, Thor from Infinity War? What are you doing here? You have summoned me. Uh, I did? Yes. You said you have need of the Axe of God. I did? Yes, a weapon of great prowess. A weapon of great destruction. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I, I think I know what's going on here. I meant Axe of God. A-C-T. Axe of God. Oh, uh, yes, I knew that, of course. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you did. Uh, so, yeah, I'm gonna go, but, uh, you really should have went for the head, bro. I know, I know. All right, well, thank you, Owen, in Leeds, and Dan in New Jersey, and Jason in Los Angeles for those title reads. Fun, fun, fun. (laughs) Which were little sort of performances in their own way, all of them. (laughs) Yeah, little tiny uh, radio plays. I, I really enjoyed it, yeah. All right, so this episode is called Acts of God, not Acts of God. It's a totally different thing. And it is episode 16. It aired on April the 10th. And uh, it has one of the shortest cold opens I think we've ever seen, Jason. Pretty short. Basically, we get some zombies snarling outside the walls of Hilltop. Lance walks up, steps in a puddle of blood coming from a nearby dead body. It's pretty fresh, it looks like. He looks up in the air, and there's a swarm of locusts flying around, and we go to the opening credits. Yep. Locusts. Locusts. Exactly. Uh, and that's it. So just quick, really fast, mere seconds, and we're into the opening credits already. And locusts are, uh, you know, a swarm of anything is pretty gross. I remember when uh, back in 90-something, early 90s, when I was uh, just started basic training mm-hmm. in, the, in Sault Ste. Marie at the time, there was this, uh, there was so many caterpillars. Like every surface outside was covered, literally covered in caterpillars. You could not walk from your house to the car without stepping on hundreds and hundreds of caterpillars. They were fucking everywhere. I don't know what happened. There was weird convergence of whatever conditions, but uh, that just that one spring, uh, there were millions of cat- caterpillars all over Sault Ste. Marie. It was disgusting. Well, I have three things to say. Yeah. The first is that does sound really gross. 
too oh, many, many, too many of them. I also think it's weird how you say the word caterpillar. What, what did I say? Caterpillar? You say caterpillar. Caterpillar? Yeah. Anyways. What's wrong, what's wrong with cater, caterpillar? It must be a Northern Ontario thing. I don't know. Anyways. Well, how do you spell it? C-A-T-E-R pil- pillar? Caterpillar. But that's fine. It's okay. I've just never heard you say that word before that I know of. So huh. okay. it's, it's well. new to me. And the third thing is I was in Sault Ste. Marie many years ago with you for a wedding. And I don't remember what time of year it was. Do you? That there was no snow. So June? I don't know. I think it might have been late spring, early summer. And yeah. I note, and at that time, there were these things called shad flies, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, the shad flies. Good that, old shad flies. That were everywhere. Like, oh, I, yeah. I had the same experience where every single surface was covered with these friggin' shad flies, which I thought were pretty glo- gross. And they are gross. They don't have any mouths. Well, I don't care what they don't have, but they were gross and it was, it was nasty. Like, so swarm of locusts everywhere, they're flying through the air. Shad flies were like just coating every surface. And then one year you had the same thing with caterpillars. So that place is weird, man, with the bugs. Yeah, no, it's pretty got gross. And, uh, yeah, these locusts reminded me of, of the, that kind of thing. Shad flies happen every couple of years. So, mm-hmm. uh, that didn't really enter into my consciousness as something I should remember. Yeah. Uh, but it does sound familiar that, uh, that there were shad flies everywhere, but at night they're, they're disgusting. Like you just don't want to go outside. <laughs> right. No, I didn't want to go outside during the day when we were there. It was nasty. Yeah. No, it makes you, it makes you thankful that, uh, human beings have invented inside. Right. Yeah. You know, so a lot of animals have not yet invented inside like we have. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy we did that. Yeah. It's pretty good. Makes Bugs our, are gross. Makes our life way easier. Anyways, after the opening credits on the show, we see the hilltop gate and we get on screen titling that says 19 hours and one act of God ago. Mm-hmm. So we've gone back in time. We are with Maggie. She's leaving hilltop with Herschel. We don't know where they're going, but he doesn't seem to want to go. And then Elijah and Marco join them, and together they walk away and leave Hilltop. And when I first saw this scene, my first impression was that Maggie was sending Herschel away, and that's why he was, like, hesitant to go. But then they they all just go together. And uh, I I felt better about that because of what we've talked about with some of the listeners and Maggie seeming to be... Not the greatest parent, maybe. And uh, I thought she was sending her son away, but she wasn't. She went with well, him. Well, it is a little odd because it's not like you, uh, when you're planning a family trip, you know, you pack uh, you pack all your clothes, you get all your bags together, you put everything in the car, you get in the car, and then you drive, uh, and then you stop to have a conversation about, uh, you know, whether or not we're going uh, at that point. Like the, the journey has started. Do you think you probably would have had this conversation at home before you left the gates of town and stopped to bend over to talk to talk about it? Right. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. They, they were already outside the gate on their way before yeah. they started talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's like, why would you, are you going to pull over just to have a conversation about, uh, you know, who wants to go? It's like, I, I don't want to go. It's like, well, we have to go. We're, we're, we're already, we're already on our way. Yeah. We're halfway there. <laughs> yeah. So it yeah. just, it, it, I didn't, uh, I didn't think about it until now, but it does seem a little bit odd. The whole thing was a little bit strange, but I was just happy that she was actually going with him and, uh, not sending him away with the others. But 
they take off and uh, we cut over to Lance. He's flipping his coin. He asks a trooper to call it and the trooper says, tails, I guess. <laughs> it off, really, to me, felt soldiers. like... It, it just didn't feel like he gave a shit at all. He thought the whole thing was stupid, that trooper. Yeah, but you also don't say that. It's like, you know, if somebody, if you're superior officer or whoever's in charge is asking you a question, you answer the goddamn question. Yeah. If he tells you something, you agree with them. Right. Right. So, yeah, you know, did you shave this morning? Uh, yes, Sergeant. It's like, well, I'll take a step closer to the razor next time. And yes, Sergeant. It's like, you don't say, well, I guess I kind of shaved. It's like, no, did you shave or not? Yes or no. If you did, you did not do a good job. All right. And, you know, uh, you know, I'm flipping a coin. Call it. It's like, whatever, dude. I don't care. Tails, like, sir. No, yes, sir. it <laughs> doesn't work that way. You're in the military. Somebody asks you a question, you answer the question. Definitively, I guess. Definitively. Yeah. And you don't say, I guess. You don't hum and haw, and you do not apologize ever, ever, ever. You do not apologize for so anything you, you've done. You see that in movies all the time. It's like, yes, sir. Sorry, sir. And like, yeah. no. you don't do that? No, not my, not in my experience. If you tried to apologize to somebody, they'd give you shit for it. Okay. You did something, you know, you know, own up to it and take responsibility for it, but don't apologize for it. All right. Well, the next thing this trooper does is he asks for an assignment, which I imagine you'd probably don't do to your office, superior officer either. No, you, uh, you don't volunteer for anything. That's, that's a military adage the world over. It's never volunteer. Got it. Okay. So nothing about this scene really feels genuine. For soldiers, yeah. These for are the worst soldiers in the world. For soldiers, yeah. Except for when they're awesome, I guess. Right. Well, I don't know. Are they ever awesome? Hardly. When they, when they were shooting uh, all the zombies in amongst the civilians, uh, oh, they right. were all crack shots. They did, uh, and they all fired at exactly the same time. They were, uh, uh, they were awesome. Didn't hit a, did a hit, didn't hit a single person then. Yep. All right, well, we cut to Eugene. He's waking up with Max, and uh, he references them having a lovely night. He compliments her beauty, and they kiss. So him and Max have progressed things along there, I would say. I wonder what they did that was so lovely. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, probably just uh, had a nice evening, made dinner, and had a conversation, and then went to bed. Did they read books to each other? Because it's not like they have TV or movies or anything, right? So... Uh, you know, you pick up a novel and read it to your, uh, your better half. I mean, they might have movies. I mean, they have yeah. a movie theater. They might have a TV with a VHS player. Okay. Well, maybe they did have a lovely night then. Yeah. I think they might've, yeah. uh, he is, he starts to wonder though, if she's having any second thoughts about stealing the files, which he's asked her to do. Right. And she kind of expresses that she's worried about what'll happen after they do this. And I must admit. I was a little bit unclear on what she was saying here because her words, Max's words are, this place pushes on people to keep things the same. I just worry they'll keep pushing till we all break, which didn't make a lot of sense to me, but maybe when I think about it, it's kind of like she's saying the Commonwealth wants people to fall in line and maintain the status quo, but eventually people are going to reject that. So she's not really worried about what they're doing will get them in trouble. She's kind of saying it's about time this happens. Yeah. It, it was kind of a, it's a, it's a, it was a bit weird and uh, it's called an Escher sentence. Do you know what an Escher sentence is? No. 
It's a sentence that sounds perfectly logical, but doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, more people have been to Berlin than I have. <laughs> like, it makes, it sounds like it makes sense, but it does not make sense. Well, it, it makes sense. I mean, I understand it. <laughs> yes. But logically, it just does not make any sense. Yeah. All right. Well, this place pushes on people to keep things the same. I just worry they'll keep pushing till we all break. That's right. I just thought I was like, oh, I don't get it. But anyways, uh, she she just seems a little bit nervous, whether it's about stealing the files or the idea that uh, it's about time someone does this. That's kind of what she's, you know, referencing. I, I think that's where they were going, but I found it weird. Anyways, we move on from that and... Suddenly, Daryl kicks down a door somewhere else. He doesn't kick down their door. That would be weird. Yeah, okay. That'd be, that'd be, that it would be a weird plot point. It, it would probably ruin the end of their nice evening together, the morning after their nice evening. But he, no, he kicks down a door somewhere else. He's with Aaron. Call Me Gabriel is there and some Commonwealth troopers, and they're searching through a house. They declare the house clear, Jason. And then the three of them have a quick conversation, the three of them meaning Aaron, Gabe, and uh, Daryl. They have this conversation about finding a moment to kill and or escape from these troopers. But so far, the time hasn't presented itself. And Daryl says they should keep moving north away from, quote unquote, their group. Mm -hmm. So just as they're saying this, the troopers approach. Daryl says to them they need a break. The trooper guy says no. So Daryl suggests that they check Charleston due to a rumor about trading weapons and stuff on the rooftops. And I got to admit, that doesn't feel like a random statement. Like, do you think there's more to that? Like something's actually happening in Charleston. We're going to hear more about it. Or is it just something Daryl said? Uh, It could go either way in my mind. Yeah. I would like for it to mean something, but I'm not holding my breath. I kind of know what you mean. Like I heard that and I'm like, very specific. Charleston, trading weapons, rooftops. Why would they drop that out there if it wasn't important information? But at the same time, I can see what you mean. Like maybe it's just Daryl trying to, you know, get them off his back sort of thing. So I don't know. Anyways, they can't continue the conversation because just then a bunch of zombies break through a door, even though just minutes earlier, well, seconds earlier, they declared this place clear. Yeah, well, they don't know what clear means, I guess. I guess not. Or, you know, either they have a misunderstanding of uh, what clear is, or they don't know how to clear a building. Because, you know, I remember when the cops broke down my door and they cleared my apartment, uh, they Mm -hmm. checked everywhere a human being could fit. Yeah. Like they looked in the cupboards, they looked in the closets, they looked in the bathtub kind of thing. Of course. If a human being could fit in the space, they looked in that space. Yeah. Well, they want to make sure nobody else was there. Uh, you know, all the power to them. It was, you know, that was, that was, uh, I, I applaud them for coming through that door, breaking down my door and coming into my apartment and handcuffing me on the floor. <laughs> I mean, based on the information they had, yes. you applaud them. Had they not, Absolutely. had they not had that level of information? And this is a story you've told on the podcast. I'd have to look up what episode it was, but yeah. it's, it's out there. It's when somewhere. it got swatted. It's when I got swatted. Somebody called the police uh, from, appeared to come from my phone number saying that, uh, the person there, uh, had killed their mother and was about to kill their sister. And the police showed up at my door, uh, and broke my door and opened it up and handcuffed me and searched 
the the apartment for uh, what was probably or what they thought was a potential double homicide. Right. So uh, when that happened, there was the the, the apartment hallway uh, in the apartment building was filled with police officers and EMS and firefighters. Like the place was because they were expecting a double homicide. Yeah, yeah. They needed everybody. Uh, so they broke down the door and they handcuffed me and they came in and uh, I give them like they thought there was a double murder happening in the apartment right. and they came that through that fucking door anyway. And all they found was you sitting there in your underwear. It was just me standing there in my underwear. I was trying to work. I was <laughs> yeah. about to sign off for the day and do some dishes and shit. So uh, and then they broke down the door and uh, that was it. Oh and, man, yeah. It was and luckily I did not have to change my underwear. Oh good, very good. <laughs> well, I mean, all that to say that these guys. Don't know oh. how to clear a building. Yeah. The policeman that came through my door uh, knew how to clear a building. Right. Well, these zombies break through this door. They have to fight them off. Now, the head trooper is a guy named Romano, and he's nearly killed. But at the end of it, he rips his helmet off, and he radios with Hornsby that they are 13 miles past the last outpost, and the second location is clear. There's one more to go. And Hornsby's response is, copy that. Now, I'd just like you to keep that in mind. Yep. Nothing more to say about it for now, but keep that in mind. As they're leaving, Aaron, Gabe, and Daryl realize that Hornsby's checking in on them, so they have to be careful. And that's right. all we learned for now. Over to Maggie and her crew in the woods. The sounds of locusts are buzzing around. You know, lots of locusts getting louder. Marco remarks that it's getting closer, so they're, you know, noticing it. And then Herschel asks if Maggie is okay, and she says that everything she's done is so they have choices, which to me, Jason, is sort of the show's, or in this case, Maggie's way of saying everything I've done is so we'll be safe. You know, the same thing we've heard a million times on The Walking Dead. Yeah. We'll be safe. We have choices. We'll continue to survive. As they're talking, suddenly Lydia comes out from behind a tree. (laughs) There she is. She just appears, you know? (laughs) Um, We cut over to Lance and he's at the camp with Leah and she's suiting up with weapons and stuff. Also a bunch of the troopers who are not in armor. They're just in their black outfits now. Okay. So this, this answers the question, what do they wear under their armor? It's true. Right. It, uh, I thought they were wearing unitards, but uh, they're just wearing black, black outfits. Pretty much, yeah. Same thing Daryl's got. He's just been wearing black all the time now. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense. I mean, I I personally would have found it more entertaining if they were wearing unitards uh, walking through the forest. Yeah. I think it would have been funnier for sure, but they don't. But they don't have their armor on because they are being assembled as like a uh, specialty team to go with Leah. And Lance confirms that he's sending her to kill Maggie. He figures that... Leah will get the woman who killed her family and then he'll be able to do his job without interference from Maggie. So they all get what they want. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm thinking about the armor again. Sorry. (laughs) I can't let it go. I can't let it go. Uh, It's, it's like when the chips are down, when the going's get going gets tough, when you absolutely have to do something that is important and you need to be flexible and uh, comfortable, mm-hmm. you have to take the armor off. Yeah. Right? So 
that tells me two things. One, the armor is somewhat uncomfortable and not very useful because when the chips are down, the armor comes off. Everybody seems to be doing it. Yeah. Uh, and second of all, it reinforces the point that it's just for show. Like they really don't need it nope. or want it. And it's not very useful and it's not very good. And the other guy got his arm stuck in the fucking wall because of those uh, big stupid hooks that uh, stick out of their... Uh, out of their greaves. Oh, right. Uh, when when he was fighting the zombie, I didn't mention that. He punched through the wall, right? And it got stuck in there. Yeah, it's because they've got two big hooks that are yeah. coming out the side. And those are, uh, they're sword breakers, right? They're meant right. to, you catch, a, you catch a sword with that and then you twist and it will break the sword because it uses it on a, it applies force uh, on the side of the blade instead of, you know, towards the edge. Yeah. So where it's more brittle. It's a sword breaker. How often are they fighting fucking people with swords. I mean, this is a zombie apocalypse, folks, and everybody either has a weapon or is a zombie, like a firearm or is a zombie. They don't have swords. I mean, the worst, you, the, the most mealy thing you have is uh, friggin' Aaron with his mace hand. Yeah. And those, those hook things, they're a liability. Yeah. They're like a barb on a fish hook, right? The whole idea is they go in and they don't come out. Yeah. So yeah. this guy punches through the zombie, through the wall. I mean, tough guy, right? Uh, punching through a zombie in a wall yep. and he gets his arm stuck because he's got those goddamn fish hook things. Th this armor is dumb. This armor is I mean, dumb and just for show and we've got absolute definitive proof here. Daryl ripped it off when he was being attacked by zombies. This guy ripped his helmet off right at the end because it was yeah. just so clearly uncomfortable. Yeah. These guys have taken it off now to go on their mission with Leah. It does seem sort of stupid. Um, but anyways, so they... You know, they're getting ready to do this. And again, the locusts are buzzing around above them as well. This time they both look up, seems like kind of pondering their situation. And Leah, she sort of lets out this little amused gasp. I don't know what. She kind of just like a very slight, heh, look at all those locusts, I thought. I don't I wasn't sure what that meant, but. It means God is watching. Ah, uh, okay. Is uh, unimpressed with your efforts. Sure. I guess so. Okay. Well, he, you know, he sent a plague of locusts. That's what, you know, he's done it before. Mm-hmm. So, and that was a judgment by God. So why not this time? Yeah. Why not this time? Well, she kind of, I guess, realizes that. And then she leaves with her team of troopers and, um, we go to a commercial break, but the thought I had here, Jason, was that Lance says that, you know, Maggie will be dead and then I can do my job without interference. But Really, if, if he just left Maggie alone, would she really continue to interfere with him? Like, why doesn't he just leave her alone and move on and then he could do his job without interference? It, it, it feels like a little bit of made up drama here. You know what I mean? Like, I refuse to leave her alone. Therefore, she's bothering me kind of thing. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It seems ridiculous. And the I, logic and is I, not there. And I know it's TV and this and that, but uh, it jumped out at me because I, I, I just feel like he's poking the bear for no reason. Well, maybe she's in the way for something, for a reason that we haven't quite uh, been told yet. Yeah, it could be. But I was like, just leave her alone. Go home. Go away. And she'll probably not bother you anymore. But whatever, it's Lance. Uh, after the commercial break, we're back with Lydia. She has led the group to a hidden hole in the ground. She has trouble opening it at first, but Elijah helps. And inside we find Negan and all the people from Riverbend. And 
the whole bit about her having trouble opening it and Elijah helps, I at first I thought was dumb, but I'm like, ah, but you know what? They kind of have a crush on each other, I think. So this was just a, a goofy scene kind of <laughs> reinforcing that a little bit. And Yeah, I guess so. I can live with it. Sometimes sticks are heavy. Yeah, fine. And you need your, your not boyfriend to help you lift them. Or just someone else. Anyone else. Sure. Eh, you know, maybe maybe she faked it so that he would help. Yeah, that's right? fine. I think that may exactly have been what's going on there. Oh, I've fallen. Can you help me up? You know, how many times have I used that in the past? <laughs> plenty. 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 I plenty. can't go anywhere without you falling down and asking for help getting up. Oh, my stars. I've fallen down. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again, what are the chances? I'm so clumsy. Can you help me? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great pickup line. Oh, perfect. Just fall down all over the place. Well, a short time later, uh, they're talking, you know, Maggie is talking with Negan and Annie, and Negan says that he doesn't want to stay in the hole while Maggie is out saving a place that is not worth saving. He's referring to Hilltop. And Annie tells him to stop. But Maggie actually agrees. And I like this scene, again, because Annie's like, Negan, quit, quit it. You know, you don't need to be a dick here. Um, which, which just tells me that she, she sort of gets it, you know? She's like, I understand why you guys don't like each other. And that's all fine and good. But you need to stop being an asshole and uh, don't piss her off <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and Negan also calls it, uh, doesn't he call it a whisperer hidey hole? Yeah, he does. So this is a this is a place where the whispers used to hang out. Which is interesting. It's not like they uh uh I thought they just lived with the herd. I didn't know that uh, that they lived in holes. Well, I guess sometimes I mean they had they had herds in caves, but I didn't know that they dug holes for whatever reason. Well, why were the whispers digging holes? I guess now and then they sometimes live in the forest, sometimes they live in holes. They just want to be sheltered more sometimes. Maybe 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 they just find holes and move into them. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's where they poop. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> you know, they just, rather than just kind of pooping in the woods where the zombies will step in it. Cause if a zombie steps in your poo, they're going to track that shit all over the place. Sorry. Oh. I, pun not intended. Yeah. <laughs> but they're going to track it around. It's going to smell even worse than the zombies themselves. So, uh, what do you do? You build an underground cave for pooping. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Well, uh, so Negan, as I said, he mentioned that the the place isn't worth saving, but Maggie says that the people are worth saving, not the place. And then she also says that she started the fight with Hornsby. And I'm like, okay, I just finished saying a minute ago, like if Hornsby just left her alone, uh, everything would be fine. But if everybody perceives this fight to have been started by Maggie, maybe that's why Hornsby doesn't want to leave her alone. But I'm like, how did she start it? All she did was say, no, I don't want to join you. Right? Did she do anything else? Um, And maybe that's enough, right? Maybe Hornsby's like, you you join or die. And uh, and now they're in the die part of that uh, equation. But uh, I don't know. So I, I'm confused like you. So I, I don't know. I don't quite understand uh, the logic here either. Mm -hmm. It seems like the kind of thing that our listeners will write in about, uh, later in the week and go, you guys don't be idiots. This is what happened. Remember? Yeah. And we're going to go, oh yeah, geez, we're stupid. 
I, I am a little I'm bit acknowledging worried about it that. now. Okay. I'm going to acknowledge it now. I don't have an answer for it, but I acknowledge the fact that we are idiots, and at least I missed something, and I don't understand. And look, I totally understand. It's one of those situations where it's like, if there wasn't this conflict, there'd be no episode. And, yeah. you know, sometimes you just have to be like, if this didn't happen, there'd be no show. So this is happening. Um, but I do think it's a little flimsy what's going on here. Hornsby, you know, has motivations that maybe we, again, don't fully know yet, but, and that's making it hard for me. Um, but whatever, you're right. The listeners will probably be like, no, there's that thing you, you idiot. And it totally explains it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I fully expect that. Yep. Good. Cause that's why we have the best listeners in the whole wide world. hundred percent, hundred percent. Cause we're idiots and we need help. Yeah. Absolutely, and they are not. Uh, anyway, so Negan and Annie, they want to help fight, of course. Maggie says no, you got to keep Herschel and these people safe. And then Negan reminds her that Herschel does not trust him, but Maggie responds that she is starting to trust him. And this is kind of a huge deal for her, right? And she's starting to trust him because she says Negan saving Herschel at Riverbend is a big reason for it. Uh, and then Negan goes, you know, Maggie Ree, you have big balls and I've got you and I've got your boy kind of thing. Yep. So just before the scene ends, Maggie goes to talk to Annie and Annie just interrupts her and says, you know, they'll be waiting. We'll be waiting here, uh, for you when this is all done. So I thought this was a pretty big deal because... All along, Jason, I have sort of sort of thought that no matter what happened, me as a viewer would never really believe a storyline where Maggie forgives Negan or even starts to. Yet, yep. yet, I actually be- found myself believing every word here. Uh, I, I believe Maggie saying she's starting to trust him and I believe Negan when he says he's got them. And it's kind of blowing my mind a little bit. So it's pretty crazy, actually, I think, that suddenly these two characters, I am on board with the fact that these two characters are reconciling just a little bit. Yeah, I don't know how to help you. I'm not on board. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's for the plot and for the spinoff show, and it drives me crazy. Yeah, I suppose, but I... I, I now, so- really, honestly, if I walked into your house and bashed your wife's head in with a baseball bat... <laughs> Do you think that's that- not funny? I shouldn't laugh at this. <laughs> Six years from now, uh, if I helped you, you know, if I babysat for your kids, which are way old now, but uh, you know, imagine if you will that they were of the age where they needed babysitting and I was able to babysit for them because you had nobody else, that you would start to forgive me for beating your wife to death. This is what I'm saying, like, it doesn't sound like a thing that would happen, right. And that's why I'm like, I don't know why I'm starting to believe this, but, you know, actions speak louder than words and Negan's actions over the last little while seem to be winning me over a bit. I couldn't do it. I don't understand it. I don't believe it. Well, listen, the other thing I was thinking is Negan's with Annie, right? He's not just by himself anymore. He is with this other woman, Annie. Even though we've seen very little of Maggie and her interacting, 
I thought maybe what we have seen between the two of them is part of it as well. Sort of like Maggie is finding a way through to Negan through this other person that she actually believes is really good. Right? Yep. And if that's the case, then I actually think that's kind of genius, storytelling-wise. You, you not bad. You team up this horrible guy with this good person, and then the third party who hates the horrible guy is like, oh, wait a minute, if you're with her, maybe you're not all bad, or something like that. I don't know. That seems now that I say it out loud, kind of feels like a simplification of it all. No, but that happened once and it happened and you were there. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but uh, there was this guy that we used to work uh, with slash four who I didn't have a lot of respect for. Okay. And I, you know, and I didn't really like him as a person. Uh, And then uh, we would, you know, everyone, it was during the time when we worked together and then it seemed like we went to friggin' parties all the time. Like the work would just go to a party and right. everybody at work would be at this party uh, and we get all friggin' wicked wasted. Oh. Uh, and one time we went to a party and this guy's mom showed up at the party. It's like, who brings their mom to a party? Like this. <laughs> like this. But she was so awesome. She was so engaging and nice and uh, was so much fun that I actually gained a little bit more respect for this guy because of his mom Hmm. and the fact that he brought his mom to this party. Uh, So it happened. I remember this. uh, It's something I I experienced. So I understand it. This situation with Megan Negan, I don't believe, I don't understand it. I don't agree with it. I know what you're saying that because of this third party, this third person that believes in Negan, uh, you know, it, it kind of elevates him a little bit. Right. That That's exactly it. And if this can happen in real life, then I guess it can happen in, in the show. And yeah. I really like Annie. And again, we haven't seen a lot of her, but what we have seen, I think she seems like a pretty good person. And it's redeeming Negan for Maggie a little bit. Just the fact that she's there. Right. Crazy. Crazy. So, anyways, uh, before we cut to something else, they all look up at the swarm of locusts, and Negan comments on it being a sign from the man upstairs. Yeah, because locusts are a thing, a god thing. Yes, they are. And then the camera like pans up. We get a shot above the tree tro- treetops, and there are billions of them. It looks like just huge, huge swarm. So, uh, Lance on the radio with somebody asking if they're at the second location and the response on the other end of the radio is clearing it now. And then Lance says, finish, then head back. Cut to the other side of this conversation. And it's Romano telling Daryl, Gabe and Aaron one more sweep. And then we head home. So this is where I started to get a little confused. I thought this was happening before their raid on the house, because when they were in the house, he said that was the second location. But in this scene, Romano is covered in blood, I think from being attacked by that zombie in the house, and he already has his helmet off. Yes. So what the hell, man? Like, were they at the second location or not? And what's going on? Like, I'm Mm. confused about what they were doing period. And before when they said this is the second location and now they're saying they're clearing it now. I, I don't know. I thought it was weird. 
it uh, it's a continuity error, my friend. It kind of feels like it, doesn't it? But that, that seems so obvious. They wouldn't let that pass. Like someone, sure they would. Someone would notice that. I the don't know. The person with the clipboard and the the binder that uh, takes keeps track of continuity, uh, you know, took a day off. Something like that. I don't know. I mean, just to make a point of saying this all out loud, right? Before he says, 13 miles past the last outpost and the second location is clear, one more to go, and then come to this scene and it's, uh, are they, are you at the second location, clearing it now, finish, then head back. So I don't know. It was so weird, but they don't go back. Uh, they make their way through the woods. And as I said, I expected them to see them like arriving at the house and we were back in time for some reason, but they don't, they arrive at a new place, which is some kind of junkyard with a bunch of old dead vehicles. Right. That's, that's what a junkyard is. Yes, it is. Exactly. It looks like they've been set up specifically though, like as defense in a way, like there's sort of a ring of them and there's vehicles inside. It looks like it would be a really great place to play paintball, to be honest. Lots of cover, you know, places to run around. So yeah, back in the sixties, they would call this an adventure playground and, uh, they would uh, do a school trip there and just let the kids run loose. Just a bunch of junked old cars run, go have fun guys. A construction site. Yeah. <laughs> they used to do that adventure playgrounds. It's like, Hey, here's an old construction site. Uh, you know, watch out for nails. Don't fall off the third floor because there's no railing. Jeez, man. I don't know why anybody survived the 60s and the 70s. Oh, it's amazing. that Even the 80s. Yeah, really. Especially you. Especially, yeah, especially me and the Easy Bake Oven. Like, <laughs> well, let's take a piece of plastic and put a 100-watt light bulb in there. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're going to burn somebody, something, and probably the house down. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. It's amazing. That, it's amazing that we've survived it all. Yeah. Lawn darts. How do you, how do you survive lawn darts? <laughs> a lot of people didn't, and that's why you can't buy them here anymore. I know. It's, <laughs> it, yeah. The seventies were nuts. Anyway. Yeah. Adventure playground. All right. So they arrive at this adventure playground and Daryl, Aaron, and Gabe, they enter between a couple of cars and they sort of stay together the troopers looks like they kind of fan out around the place a little bit. We see a look and a nod between a couple of the troops. And then we see something similar between Daryl and Aaron. And then Daryl shoots one of the troops, not killing him. So I think both sides here, the, the Commonwealth troopers and our three characters, I think they were both looking for an opportunity to kill the other group. The troopers were planning on killing Aaron, Gabe, and Daryl, I think at the order of Lance, and the three of them were waiting for a moment to kill the troops, and they both decided at the same time that this was the moment to do it. Serendipity. Serendipity. So is this the whole reason they are out there, Jason, these guys doing this? Like, did Lance send this team away and tell his guys, take him out somewhere, find a, find a time and kill them. And Daryl, Gabe and Aaron are just kind of doing the same thing. Uh, yeah, except nobody told them to take out the troopers. Well, right? nobody so told them, but that's what they decided to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, here we are. We are at that moment. Everybody starts shooting and scattering around. Gabe and Aaron both get hit, neither of them fatally. In fact, not even really badly enough to go down or be hindered in any way, it seems like. Um, 
And then they have this firefight amongst all the cars. Daryl manages to butt-end one of the troopers in the face and take his gun. He then throws it to Aaron, so now Aaron and him both have big rifles. There's a random shot of a snake, which I guess... Which, I, which jumped out at me as being really weird at first, but I guess we have some snake symbolism here with Acts of God. We've got locusts, we've got a serpent. Of course, the serpent tempted Eve to eat the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Ian. 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 Garden of Eden. <laughs> <laughs> Ian's yeah. garden, his backyard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's, there's some fruit growing there that you should, probably shouldn't eat. Don't eat that, uh, yeah. Because there's snakes back there. Don't man. listen to the snakes. They're going to try to tell you to eat it, but you don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, or, you know, whatever else the snake might symbolize. But I also was like, snake, that's weird right now. Um, but we see the snake and it comes immediately before Father Gabe sneaks up and stabs one of the troopers in the knee, then knocks him out and takes his rifle. So everybody has a gun now. Um, bunch of zombies show up. I suppose they are attracted by the noise and they start shooting the zombies before we go to a commercial break. Mm-hmm. So... Pretty fun scene, I thought. When we come back, we're still there. Romano, he's injured, and he's crawling along the ground. Daryl and the guys walk up to him. I guess they've sort of finished the fight now. Everybody else is either dead or incapacitated. Daryl demands that Romano tell them where Hornsby is, and he doesn't want to at first, but Daryl threatens that he'll just leave him to the walkers. So Romano relents. He says Hornsby is 10 miles out and wants to, quote, clear the field. So Daryl then shoots him dead. And our three guys realize that clearing the field must mean he's going after Maggie. And so Hornsby suddenly comes on the radio uh, expecting Romano. But Daryl responds, he ain't here anymore. Right. Giving away the whole game. Exactly. Giving away the whole game. But then I guess if Romano didn't respond at all it would have kind of given it away anyways. Yeah, Daryl and Aaron and Gabe would have had another couple of hours. You it's know, true. While, uh, you know, while Hornsby tried to get these guys on the horn. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I thought it was a dumb dumb thing to do. It's like, sure, you can be witty and uh, dramatic, but it doesn't really give you any kind of advantage. <laughs> Daryl could have just picked up the radio and be like, Hornsby's taking a dump. He'll be back in 10 minutes. <laughs> You know? Yeah, or he could have picked up the radio and said, uh, you know, we're all fine here. Everything's fine. Uh, give us a moment to try and lock this down. We're all fine here. How are you? He could have said exactly that. Yeah. Uh, so here we are. So all the troops are dead. Our three heroes, two of them got shot, but um, are seem to be doing fine. And then Daryl just in cold blood kills this dude, Romano, who uh, you kind of knew that was going to happen when he took his helmet off, I feel like. Yeah, you well, everybody dies. I mean, even the uh, the guys with the helmets on. Well, so I suppose that's true, yeah. But he he was a hero. Like, well, not a hero, but like a hero zombie. He was a, a, a hero trooper. Yeah. So we had to see his face because uh, he got to speak. Yes, he and, did. Uh, if you speak, you die. Yeah, if you have lines, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we get a quick shot of Hornsby looking rather concerned and then telling some troopers to move. And then we go right back to Daryl, Aaron, and Gabe, and the walkers begin to eat Romano. But he's already dead. Yeah, he's still yummy. I guess he was fresh enough that they still wanted to chow down on him. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, over to Pamela Milton. I haven't seen her in a while. She's practicing a speech in her office, 
and she notices Max looking a little bit distant, maybe. Asks her about it, if she's okay. Max says she's fine, and convinces her that she's alright. And then Max asks if they can use a budget surplus they have for a scholarship fund, but Pamela denies her. Says, nope, all the money has to go back into this Founders Day event that uh, is the most important thing we do. And Jason, I think this was Max testing Pamela to see if she'd use the spare funds for something beneficial to the people. And of course she won't. And so ultimately, I think it solidifies Max's desire to steal the files and help with the resistance. Uh, Yeah, no, it it definitely helps. Do you know what happens to, uh, I think in in the US, do you know what happens to excess campaign funds? Tell me. Candidate gets to keep it. Oh, look at that. Isn't that convenient? (laughs) Isn't that nice? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, in this case, yeah, I think if Max was having any reservations about doing you know, stealing these files and doing this stuff. This was what got rid of them all. This pushed her over the, over the line for sure. And she's like, you know what, if she's not going to put that money into something beneficial to the people like a scholarship fund, she's got to be taken down. Yeah. I mean, that's the, uh, that's the, one of the pillars of, uh, embezzlement, uh, you know, for embezzlers, there's, I think there's three pillars. You have to have, uh, uh, means opportunity and justification. Uh, so it's that, uh, you being able to justify doing it. It's like, oh, they're right. a bad person. They don't deserve this money. I do. Right. Right. <laughs> so that, that, that justification is, uh, you know, the pillar of, of embezzlement and I guess espionage as well. Cause that's what she's doing. That's it's that, you know, you, she needs the justification. Yeah. And I think she was pretty close anyways, but uh, yeah, maybe this, I think this was just the last kind of straw and what made her sure that she was doing the right thing. Yeah. All right. Well, we get a really quick shot of Maggie, Elijah, and Lydia organizing some weapons, but then right back to Max in the office. She unlocks the filing cabinet, takes out some files, and as she's kind of looking through them, Sebastian comes in the door looking for his mother, and Max says that she can let Pamela know he's looking for her, but of course Sebastian is a huge dick to her, and it seems like he might confront her about what she's doing, but he doesn't, and then he leaves. Yeah, because he doesn't ultimately give a shit. He's just upset that they don't have cell phones. He's upset that he doesn't have money anymore, and exactly, all the comforts and things that he, he wants, right? So, yeah, he's just pissed off, and he I thought he came across a little intoxicated too, maybe, drunk, but they didn't get into that. They didn't, but uh, he, yeah, he definitely seems flavored. <laughs> I think so, yeah. So back at the hilltop, the locusts are really loud and Leah's team of soldiers enter the dark, burned out husk of a building at hilltop. They search around, they see a light in a room. So they're thinking they found something, but when they open the door, an explosive is triggered and they're blown up. Booby trap. Booby trap. Exactly. Why is it called a booby trap? Do you think? I'm surprised you don't know, actually. I'm a little surprised. I don't know too. Yeah. I don't know. Huh. Let us know people. Where's the term booby trap come from? Yeah. If only there was some kind of interconnected network of uh, computers, which had, uh, some kind of, uh, easy accessible, uh, information, a wiki, if you will. Yeah. I, if that existed, it would be easy to figure some that out. Online cyclopedia. Right. Wikipedia. That's, that's a great name for it. It is. 
Anyways, uh, turns out Maggie, Elijah, and Marco are hiding outside. And they talk about going in to recover any weapons from the troopers if they can, but then follow their trail back to their camp and end all of this. So Marco, he gets a little too excited. He jumps up, he's ready to go, and then he's shot in the head. As soon as he started saying, let's go, I was like, oh, he's going to stand up and get killed. Yeah. It was telegraphed pretty loudly. It was. It was. I could see it coming too as soon as he jumped up. Turns out it's Leah coming out of the burning building, gun raised, and she shot poor Marco in the head. So Maggie and Elijah run away, leaving Marco's body there. Yeah. That's, yeah. I did that once in a D&D game where I had some uh, henchmen. And, uh, I got the henchman to do something that, that might've been trapped and the henchman died. And, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've felt bad for a good 25 years now. Oh. So, uh, and it was just a D and D game for crying out loud. Yeah. Uh, so I can imagine how Leah feels, feels, uh, sending in her henchmen to all die when, uh, she just said, well, it might be booby trapped. So you go in, go, go ahead. I mean, what an evil thing to do. Yeah. I don't think Leah's pissed off though, because, um, well, after the break, uh, we, we get a shot of one of the Walker, sol- uh, one of the soldiers who was blown up is now a Walker. He's killed by another trooper and Hornsby's outside. He steps in the blood pool of Marco's brain. So this is the scene we saw in the cold open. Yeah. 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 Right. So he's stepping in that. One of his guys approaches, says they lost three men in the explosion. And so Lance radios Leah and he's pissed that she got his men killed, but she calls it collateral damage. She is not upset at all. Doesn't seem like to me. Soldiers getting killed in the in line of duty is not collateral damage. Uh, blowing up an apartment building uh, to get two uh, soldiers that are holed up there is collateral damage. Totally. But I think the, I don't think she's meaning it literally like that. Like she's just saying, I have my own agenda and whatever happens is collateral damage to that. Right. Yeah. You may she's have hired a soldier. Me. She knows what it means. She's using it wrong on purpose for whatever reason. Yeah. She exactly. should be more accountable. Right. Right. Okay. But she's, she's there to kill Maggie. And I, I mean, that's what Lance wants too, but she's like, really, I'm doing this for me, not for you. So I don't care what happens to your people. Yeah. So, uh, Lance is pissed off and the locusts continue to be loud <laughs> as they do, as they do. All right. Gabe, Daryl, Aaron in the forest, there are walkers around. They find some traps set and it turns out that they are at Leah's former camp, which Daryl recognizes. So what do they do, Jason? They decide to split up to cover more ground. Never split the party. I thought you might say that. Yep. That's what they do. Lydia, Elijah, and Maggie are fighting walkers in the woods. Maggie tells them to go and she'll draw Leah away. Then Maggie notices locusts and runs off with Leah in pursuit. Super. Yes. Now, Connie, Kelly, Eugene, Max, and Magna are reviewing the stolen files. And they notice what they say is a list of 200 names and some kind of coordinates. Not sure what that means exactly. They want Connie to write about this, but she says she needs proof, more proof anyways. And Connie decides that she'll just write about Sebastian's heist 
for now that he sent the people on. And when everybody finds out about that, they'll question everything about the leadership at the Commonwealth and this will cause an uprising. Okay. <laughs> you, don't, you don't think <laughs> sure. so? <laughs> wow, who knows? People don't really follow a set path. Well, when you try and lead them down the uh, garden path there. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Um, but the, the idea here is they're exposing some of the injustices and atrocities committed by the leadership of this community. And I guess they figure that'll be enough because these people don't know this is happening, right? Uh, yeah. Well, but, good luck. But then, as we know in real life, you know, atrocities are exposed all the time. And most people just kind of sit around and go, ah, someone else will take care of that. Yeah, they wring their hands and they complain about it and they talk about it with their people, other people around them. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, such a tragedy and so awful and do nothing. I'm not trying to say that these things shouldn't be exposed, but it's difficult to spur people into action is what I'm saying. And uh, Oh, yeah. You know, just writing an article about this may not be enough to get no. anyone to do anything, so... It's hard to get anybody to do anything. It I, you really know, is. I have a family of three and, you know, me trying to get any one of those individuals to do anything I want them to do uh, is nigh on impossible. <laughs> well, especially your five-year-old, I'm sure. Unless they already want to do it. Right. Then, then it's fine. And yeah, then it's not up to you either way. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, this group is standing around in this apartment. Suddenly there's a knock at the door and they kind of panic for a second, but Magna is like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Everything's fine. Turns out she has invited Ezekiel to help out. So he comes in and he says he has a whole network of people who can help get the word out. They're ready mm -hmm. to roll, ready to roll. A little, little bit of a heads up. I invited somebody. Don't panic when they show up. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason she wouldn't show up and be like, Ezekiel's coming. I don't know why he's not here, but he'll be here in a minute. So everybody's cool, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just be cool. It's like, uh, it's just, I, I, don't, I don't understand it. It's like if somebody is uh, on sentry duty with a loaded weapon in the dark, don't sneak up on them. Like, Jesus Christ, you know, uh, make yourself known a little ways off. Uh, you know, don't, don't, you know, surprising might be fun for a TV show, but in real life, nobody really likes surprises. Surprises are not usually a good thing. Not in the zombie apocalypse anyways. No, for sure. Yeah. All righty. Well, uh, we get a quick shot of Daryl in the forest and then Maggie in the forest. She encounters a walker. She kills it quietly. And then there's a moment or two of silence. And by silence, I mean just kind of quiet contemplation, Maggie looking around um, in the dark. Suddenly, though, Leah is there. They start shooting, and Maggie hits her. But again, just like uh, Aaron and Gabe earlier, it's not fatal. Maggie goes looking for Leah, who's kind of run off. And she almost finds her tending to her wound. But Leah gets the better of her and knocks Maggie out. When Maggie shot Leah and Leah yelped a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I was hoping the whole thing was over. I mean, wow, that was short work. Yeah. That was quick. <laughs> I was kind of hoping it would just kind of end. It did not. It did not. It no. did not. Now Maggie's been knocked out. She wakes up tied to a chair in a cabin with Leah sitting in front of her. 
Now, I think, is this the cabin where Leah lived, where Daryl met her originally? It is. Okay. It is. And so, she tied Maggie up with uh, natural fiber rope. Yeah. And that stuff is fucking stretchy. Mm-hmm. It is not something you tie somebody up with. It's what you tie a boat down with uh, when you want it to flop around a lot as you're driving. Like, if you want somebody to stay put in a chair, you zip tie them to that chair. You use plastic. You yeah. use nylon. You do not use, uh, you know, hemp rope. Because uh, that shit will just, you can just pull yourself out of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, spoiler alert, but that's kind of what happens. Um, but, I mean, can we chalk it up to just, Leah, that's all she had available at the time? <sighs> or do we chalk she it up had some to... options. Yeah. Do we chalk it up to... This scene isn't over yet, and we need Maggie to get free. Her outfit is covered in nylon strapping. I'm oh. sure she could come up with something to uh, to strap her down that would be a little less flexible than uh, fucking hemp rope. There. Sure. Okay. Well, anyways, they're sitting there. Leah points a gun at Maggie, and they have one of those bad guy talks way too much before killing the hero conversations, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Maggie even says to her, if you wanted to kill me by now, you'd have done it already, which is a pretty cliche line. She figures that Leah wants her to suffer, and that's why she hasn't killed her, uh, because it'll make her feel better. And of course it won't. And then Leah says, no, I'm just going to kill everybody that you love. (laughs) Pretty much. That's fair. Yeah. We see Lance and his group of stormtroopers following a trail. They find a bloody piece of cloth on a tree and we immediately cut back over to Maggie and Leah in the cabin. He picks, he picks it up. Like if you were walking down the bunny trail, <laughs> yeah. if you were hopping down the bunny trail and you saw like this soaking wet, bloody rag hanging from a tree, would you pick it up and, you know, give it a quick smell and a taste to see it was like... Yeah, well, that's not, uh, that is a uh, zombie. You know, he doesn't taste it, but no, I wouldn't touch it. It's gross. Just the fact that it's there is enough to be like, okay, we're on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand why he picked it up other than dramatic effect. Uh, I mean, yes, that's all it was for sure. But the point is they're on their trail and they're going to be there soon. Maggie and Leah in the cabin. Maggie tells Leah to kill her if that's what she wants. Uh, By now, though, she has wriggled her hands out of the rope and attacks Leah. I must admit they had a pretty good fight, I thought. The fight scene here was great. They both got some shots in. Maggie knocks the gun out of Leah's hand. Then they both pull out some knives. We get some slashy stabby stuff. Uh, A good headbutt, you know. So pretty decent fight, I thought. Yep. Did you enjoy it? It was okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, a trained soldier against a, somebody who, well, I guess has been in a few scrapes every now and every now and again, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, out of sheer meanness, Maggie probably would have won. Uh, you know, I thought it was an okay fight, but as soon as the fight started, I, I knew that, uh, uh, you know, neither one of them could win, you know? So there was, uh, they wouldn't be able to resolve this themselves. I saw a white knight coming to rescue uh, Maggie. I just didn't know who it was at the time. Right. Well, Leah gets Maggie down on the ground, is on top of her, punches her in the face multiple times, like badly bloodying Maggie's face. Like, it was pretty brutal, I thought. And then she's about to shove a knife into Maggie's chest, but suddenly Leah is shot 
in the head by Daryl. Yeah, it was Daryl. I figured it would be Negan, but uh turns out it was Daryl. Oh, you know what? I hadn't even thought of that, but I'm I'm kind of surprised it wasn't Negan, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so, know? I mean, it was a good fight and everything, but once again, Maggie needed to be saved, and I didn't like that. Yeah, I agree with you a little bit. Um, the fight was good, though. Yep. <laughs> if I can just keep going back to that, you know. <laughs> I mean, but but like you were saying, Leah's a trained soldier. Maybe it makes some sense that she would get the better of Maggie here. Is it that crazy to believe that that would happen? No, and, and that's fine. But then Maggie should have died, right? Yeah. So uh, just... Yeah. It was Maggie having to be saved again that bothered me in this mostly. I mean, the fight was good. It was uh, it was pretty knockdown, drag out kind of uh, you know uh, trained combatant against somebody who's just pure meanness and anger. Uh, you know, I could see that being an even match, and it seemed to be an even match, and somebody in the end would have to be uh, would have to get the better of the other person, and I just uh, I was hoping that with Maggie would ultimately get the other upper hand. Right. And kill Leah, basically. Take, yeah. take, uh, take it into her own hands. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Daryl steps up, saves her, shoots Leah. I mean, there's something interesting there too. You know, he doesn't hesitate shooting Leah, this woman that he's had a relationship with some, for some time. Yeah. I mean. Not a great one lately, but for a little <laughs> while there, it was nice. <laughs> oh <laughs> no. yeah. You know, as relationships do every now and again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Okay. So that, that I can see. You know, why Daryl rather than, uh, than Negan? It's Daryl had to resolve this relationship. And yeah. like in The Walking Dead, a lot of relationships are resolved with murder. It's true. I can't think of another explicit example, but uh, other TV shows have done it. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have somebody who has a relationship and their relationship goes sour and uh, two people are at odds, uh, you know, he can solve that with murder. Somebody's going to die, right. Yeah. All right, well... Out of the window, Daryl sees Hornsby and his troops approaching, so they have arrived. He shoots once out the window, and he grazes Hornsby in the cheek. So he almost takes him out, but he just grazes his cheek. Lance comes in to find Leah's body, and they also find an open window that Daryl and Maggie escaped out of. And Lance stares out the window and says, now we take it all. Which yeah. I didn't really know what that meant at the time, but I think we figured it out later. Song lyric, isn't it? Now we take it all. Yeah. Um, or something. Like something it's Queen or something. I'm not sure. The winner takes it all is oh, yeah. ABBA. <laughs> ABBA. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Thank you. Um, but I was sort of thinking in this scene, not about the ABBA lyric, but about how you're telling me that Maggie and Daryl just jumped out a window and ran away with all of Lance's troops there and nobody saw them. Yeah. They're, they're stormtroopers slash Keystone cops. Yeah. So I guess so, they yeah, did. They can absolutely get away. <laughs> all right. Well, we go into a montage, Jason, basically to end the episode from here on. It's mostly in slow-mo. We see Maggie and Daryl reunite with Aaron and Gabe. And as I mentioned, she's looking pretty rough because she took multiple punches to the face. We see Negan helping Herschel out of the Whisperer hole. Herschel just kind of pushes away from Negan and then goes straight to Annie, which, you know, once I saw this, I'm like, okay, this reinforces my feelings that it's Annie that is mending the relationship between Maggie and Negan a little bit, despite the fact that Negan saved Herschel. Herschel obviously 
trusts Annie and sees something in her. So I think that helps. Yep. Uh, back in Pamela Milton's office, Max is returning the files to the filing cabinet and then sits down at her desk. Pamela comes in and slams a newspaper down with the headline, Pamela Milton is lying to you. Oh no. And the sub headline, Milton's adult son used innocence in deadly money grab. <laughs> innocence as in innocent people. Right. So she looks pissed off now. Uh, do you think Pamela is pissed with Max or is she just angry and she's, she's just angry. It's like, see what I'm angry about. Yeah, exactly. It, I don't believe there's any reason as of right now that we should believe that Pamela Milton knows that Max was involved in the creation of this article. Yeah. Okay, good. I felt the same way. The, we go to Alexandria somewhere we haven't seen in a while and the camera pans down the outside of the wall and then a Commonwealth troop lowers a Commonwealth banner down uh -huh. the wall, rolls down the wall, and we see the same thing over at Hilltop. So this was what Lance meant by now we take it all. We just take over their communities, whoever is left. And the most upsetting part about it probably is that we actually see Lance at Oceanside. Honestly, a place I haven't thought about in a little while, even though, you know, they were a part earlier on when um, they decided not to join the Commonwealth because of Maggie. Yep. He's there. He has all the residents round up with their hands tied. Zip tied. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, they do are not using hemp ropes. They're nope. uh, they zip tie these these people. Yep, he sure did. He flips his coin again, which we saw near the beginning of the episode, and as it, as it lands on his hand, we cut to black. Man, I don't even know if it's heads or tails. No, you don't. But you do know that he's using this coin flip to determine what the fate of everyone at Oceanside is going to be, right? I don't know. That's what they're trying to imply, but that seems like a crazy thing to do. I think so, but I think they're trying to tell us that Lance is that level of unhinged. Like heads, they're dead. Tails, well, maybe they're also dead, but maybe not. I don't know. I just have this bad feeling that he just massacred everybody at Oceanside and they're just all gone. Well, I don't know about that. I'd be surprised if, if, if that isn't what happened, to be honest. And I have two reasons for that, Jason. Number one is I think they really want us to hate Lance. They really, really want Lance to be the super evil bad guy. And that's, this is their way of doing it. But I also think that honestly, man, we're getting closer to the end of this show and they need to wrap some things up. And they're like, you know what? Hills or Oceanside is just sitting out there. Let's just eliminate it. We're going to get rid of the Oceanside and all the people, and then we don't have to come back to it and worry about it for future storytelling with only eight episodes left. Yeah, they just bring the people to the Commonwealth and integrate them. Like, why kill them all? I know, and that's what happened with, uh, um, oh my God, Diane, remember? Yeah. I, I think, anyways, I'm convinced we're not going to see her again. Yeah. But I think, they, I think they're using Oceanside to make us hate Lance as much as possible. Kind of worked oh, yeah. for me anyways. Well, we hate him anyway. We knew that from the outset that we hated this guy. Well, not from the outset. I feel like he was... No, come on. The way he dressed and the fact that he was in those commercials. <laughs> the way he dressed. Anyone who puts on a tie in the zombie apocalypse well, is clearly... It wasn't clearly... a tie. It was a friggin' checkered 
uh, uh, not a blazer, but uh, yeah. a jacket of some kind. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I just think it's funny you're focusing on his output outfit, not output. No, outfit. it just it. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he was. He, he seems like a sleazy car salesman from the get go. For sure, for sure, a sleazy car car salesman who just massacred a bunch of people at a community for no reason. He. You know, it's not Breaking Bad. This guy's Herb Tarlick is what he is. Well, The maybe. outfits, the, you know, the selling things, the being duplicitous, the, you know, uh, a true word never, barely ever came out of Herb Tarlick's mouth. He was always about the sale, right? Regardless, yeah. regardless of whether it was true or not, he wanted the sale. This guy's, uh, you know, with a, with a slight adjustment of a knob, Herb Tarlick is evil. In my mind, <laughs> you just go a little farther he, one way. He just evil. turn the knob a little bit, and he just turns. He turns way evil. Huh. Well, I love Herb Tarlock. Me too. And uh, yeah. Well, Miss WKRP. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, um, I think Oceanside is done, and I'm sad about it, and uh, I can't stand Lance because of it. Yeah. Now, listen, the banners that they're rolling down at Alexandria and um, Hilltop. I have a question for you, Jason. Yeah. Lance said, now we take it all. But what are they taking? Who who are they taking? Like, I, I feel like we've lost a little bit of the thread here with who's left at any of these communities, right? I know like, why bother? I mean, it's just, it's the same thing that Negan said. Like, why are you fighting for this place? It's a you know, it's dead. It's a piece of shit. Right. It's just uh, it's just real estate, and it's a zombie apocalypse. And fucking real estate everywhere. Well, like, why this place? Th- that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Why is it worth their time to post troops there, roll down banners? Like, what are they gaining from that? What is Lance gaining from that? I don't feel like there's anybody living there anymore. And I know there are background people and characters and log carrying guys and stuff like that. Right. Yep. But I don't think the show has done a great job lately of making us feel like Alexandria and Hilltop are even populated with anybody anymore. Yeah, they're, they're not going concerns anymore. No. And so this feels like a, a silly thing for Lance to do. And it doesn't feel genuine. Like if there's, Three or four people still living at Hilltop. Like, what's the point? It doesn't feel like there's any strategic advantage to him to do this. Yet, they're rolling out banners and there's troops there. They're using resources. So, I th- I thought that was a bit ridiculous too. Um, it's a little think, bit ridiculous. I think it's the fault of the show, to be honest. They haven't really made me feel like these communities are are thriving in any way, or not even thriving, but even just important, right? So, I think that's a bit of a failing. Now, having said all that, I think I've come off kind of way more negative on this episode as we've been recapping it tonight than I actually am. I enjoyed lots of it, too. I thought this was a pretty fun, pretty good episode. I thought there was lots of great things about it, despite the fact that I had some of these problems. So um, what I thought was good is that this was one of the better mid-season finales I think that the show has done just in the way that it ended like we didn't get a a cliffhanger really it wrapped everything up it feels like it established very clear sides to this conflict right we now have Maggie and Daryl 
he's definitely on Maggie's side um, against Lance with the added bonus of Eugene and everybody kind of working from the inside, right? Yep. They wrapped up the Riverbend people who are now also on Maggie's side. Negan is with them. And there's not really any question about who who's where and where people's allegiances lie. And I thought that was really, really great. It wasn't a dumb cliffhanger where someone's about to die and we don't know what's going to happen. It's like, wrap this up and whatever happens starting in the next episode in the fall is going to really kick off the sort of final push of this whole show. Yeah, except for uh, Judas and RJ. Uh, they're kind of, uh, Daryl has, you know, declared his intentions mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, murdering all of the uh, the troopers. Uh, and he's left two vulnerable kids in the Commonwealth. Uh, and Hornsby has a connection, able to communicate with the, with the Commonwealth. I think he's made a huge mistake. Yeah, I mean, to be, to be fair, you're right. I mean, we don't really know what's going on with them, but I don't see that as a big problem. Like, we don't really know what's going on with Jerry either, um, you know, but Carol's kind of doing her her thing, right? She's caroling the whole thing. Um, but, but do they know what's going on with Daryl, that he's turned and is overt now? Like, he's uh, he's no longer quiet about the whole thing. This this situation has gone loud. Does Lance and, know, do you mean? No, does, does uh, Carol know? Or, uh, uh, or Jerry? Uh, you know, they don't know. So they don't know to get the kids out of there, right? It's, no. These kids are saying. vulnerable, and they're a pressure point that they can apply to, to Daryl. Uh, you know, to get to get him to do what they, what they want. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. I see what you're saying. Absolutely. That is a big question for sure. But that kind of thing is okay. I think like that kind of question is, is great. Yeah. We can speculate on that and it's something we can expect, you know, coming up. But what I'm trying to say is like, they didn't show us something where Lance is like on the radio and saying, go round up the children. And then you see, and then you see the troopers show up and and about to take the kids away and you don't know what happens, right? Not yet. No, not yet. But I think this episode felt like the end of a chapter in a bigger story. Yes. And it wasn't, it wasn't teasing us with the next thing so much. Whatever happens next, it happens after this, not kind of, we're not stuck in the middle of something here. Yeah, absolutely. And, And I think that as a, uh, as a mid-season finale, I think this kind of rung all the bells. Mm-hmm. And I think it, uh, you know, it wrapped up certain things. It got Leah out of the picture. She's done. It drew the line in the sand uh, and everybody's on one side or the other, which is great. Yes. Uh, we, you know, we got a bit of a cliffhanger because we don't know what's happening with the, the river people. Uh, and it, he's, you know, unfurled Nazi banners on uh, the various communities for some reason. Uh, so, you know, as a, as a mid-season finale, I think this, uh, this is kind of hit all the highlights. Yeah. I think it was one of the better ones just because it wrapped things up and it didn't feel the need to tease us with something that, uh, is, is coming up. Right. Yeah. Um, even unlike the last one, right. The last time it was Maggie and Negan being shot at by the Huacha and you don't know if they're going to survive. And right. It was the episode ended right in the middle of a pivotal like action scene here yeah not happening and i appreciate that finally the walking dead has has decided they've used some restraint and they haven't gone for the the silly cliffhanger yeah well 
and we have some unresolved uh, situations, but we don't have a, oh shit, what's going to happen? Oh, you're going to make me wait three months? Six months, but yeah. <laughs> That's it? Well, I think it comes back in October. Yeah, there's some rumors out there of uh, early October return, but nothing's official yet. Super. Anyways, yes, they, they, there are unresolved things, but it, it, it all just felt very sort of chapter ending type thing. And the next, the final chapter, which I bet you they're going to call it in some ad somewhere, uh, starts, you know, next. When they yeah, the, fi- the final countdown. The final countdown comes up in the fall. So anyways, um, yeah, had some problems with this one, but just that alone made me appreciate it more. And like you said, it was great that the Leah thing is wrapped up now uh, and we can move on from here. So we got some time to wait until The Walking Dead comes back, but I think we're in a good spot. I do too. Cool. All righty. We will talk about what other Walking Dead stuff is happening and what's coming up next for us, which of course is our feedback show, but we'll get to that in a minute. First though, Jason, it is time for our final winner of the Patreon prize of Palooza that has been ongoing. Uh, I say final, final for this block. We will do eight more in season 11 C. Um, but, uh, here we go. We got one more person to give away. No new patrons this week to thank, but thank you to everyone who is a patron anyways. And I don't know if I want to get into it too much, but I had an experience on the weekend related to the Patreon prize of Palooza. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just say everything is fine, but I was packing up a couple of packages to send out to previous winners. And I was using an X-Acto knife to cut something and I'll just say Jason lesson number one when yeah. using a very sharp exacto knife yep always put the cap back on when you're not using it even if you're going to cut something again in like 20 seconds later you so this was uh, an actual exacto knife that we, you would use for crafts and things it's not like uh, an Olfa knife or a, a utility knife not a box cutter not a utility knife I specifically bought not too long ago an exacto knife a very sharp precise exacto knife for yeah like crafts and stuff like that so and when you, you used it to do what exactly uh, I had printed out a couple of addresses on a letter sized piece of paper to put yep. on the packages going to the people. And I was trimming them out of the uh, paper to stick onto the packages to go out. So what you need is you need to go to Michael's and you need to get uh, a tool that is made for that. I know, I know. I... It's, it's, a, it's like a pizza cutter, but it has a sharp blade on it for cutting paper. Yeah, you can also get like a sliding cutter. I a know sliding those. cutter or a paper cutter. I have uh, all of these things. Yeah. <laughs> But the uh, the one you want is the little one with like the pizza cutter wheel on it. It has uh, a protective cover. You slide it back, you roll it along the paper, and then you put the cover back uh, on it so that you don't uh, drop it on your goddamn toe. Yeah. Well, listen, I understand, but I was using the tools that I had. And this is not the completely most inappropriate tool for what I was doing. I was using a sharp, a straight edge and cutting it. And anyways... Uh, I'll just say that, yes, the X-Acto knife rolled off of the table and, uh, had an encounter with my left big toe. Yeah. Uh, and it was rather surprising and shocking for a moment, but everything's fine. 
and uh, my toe is still attached to the rest of my foot. Yeah. See, <laughs> so your problem, well, you have two problems. Uh, one is you were using the wrong tool. Fine. Uh, and you were using the wrong tool uh, unsafely. Right. I was. Always so, put the cap back on. Yeah. So if the only tool you have in your toolbox is a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. That's all I'm going to say. If you need to cut paper, go get something to cut paper. Like not this little, that exacto uh, knives have a wonderful utility for intricate cutting mm-hmm. of small things, not for long slices of paper. Nope. So that's one. And two, you always put the cap back on. Like I use for this kind of thing, I use this pizza cutter, but for opening boxes, I use a utility knife. Yeah. And- Every time I use the utility knife, even if I'm just done cutting the one cut and I still have it in my hand, close it. Retract the blade, yeah. Retract the blade, do what I need to do, extend the blade again. Safety first. Safety first. Yeah. No, I'm aware of these things. I just didn't take my own advice. Okay. So I learned this lesson when I was in high school uh, and I learned it hard. I learned it the hard way. (laughs) Do you know what a loofah sponge is? Yeah. It's a natural, uh, kind of a very rough, uh, fibrous sponge thing meant uh-huh. for scraping things. So, you know, me being in high school or, uh, yeah, grade nine, whatever it was, as you do, you're about to take a bath and, uh, <laughs> you needed to have, uh, a, a loofah sponge in order to uh, properly take a bath. So what do you do with a loofah sponge that's too big? You cut it with uh-huh. a Olfa knife or, you know, a utility knife. So I was cutting the, the, uh, uh, the loofah sponge with an Olfa knife and, uh, it slipped and it sliced into my, uh, my pointy finger on my uh, left hand and, uh, it cut right all the way to the bone. Like it went right in, hit the bone and slid along the bone a little bit. So, and it just sliced a big friggin' gash in it. And I went to the hospital and I got nine stitches and it was a whole thing, right? Like it was a, it was a big cut. So I learned this lesson hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you, you have to, it's safety first. These things are sharp. Yeah. No, I know they're sharp. I wasn't going to get into the details of what happened to my foot, but clearly you don't have the same worry. <laughs> you cut to the bone. <laughs> <laughs> it went, yeah, I got, uh, I got all kinds of injuries, but, uh, so I've never used a loofah sponge again, Okay, but I used Olfa knives. All the time. Good. All right. Well, I'm glad you learned that lesson. Anyways, enough about that. I'm I am glad fine. you're okay. Yeah. Okay. First and foremost, I know that can be dangerous and uh, is probably painful. And uh, but if you're going to get cut with something, getting cut with something extremely sharp is probably best. It actually was better, a hundred percent that way. Like there, because it was so sharp, it the damage was. Uh, less than it might have been with something else. Anyways. Well, it cuts cleanly, goes right through the nerves. You don't really, it doesn't like tear a hole or anything like a, like a dull <laughs> knife would do. It's very, uh, very clean it's cut. That's very clean cut. Yeah. So, you, you know, good on you. All right. Uh, can we move on? <laughs> I don't know. Let's try. All right. We'll see. <laughs> um, it's all in the name of, of getting these prizes out to our winning patrons. So it's com- 100% worth it, I say, Jason. Now, this week's prize if you recall, is a 164th scale die cast replica of Dale's RV from season two. So it's kind of a cool little thing and somebody is about to win it. And I hope you can tell me who that is. In the spirit of Easter, 
we uh, we decided to do something as a family this time for. Uh, it's Easter coming up. That's right. Sorry, it's curious. So, uh, that that's a that's about as close as we get to Easter. But so what we did was uh, we took all the names of the patrons, uh, and we uh, we created cards like on cardstock and we decorated them with uh, crayons and stickers and captions and balloons and glitter glue and so much glitter glue. So we took, you know, all of these names and we put them all on cards. Uh, so like cardstock. And then we took a walk in the park and there's a nice park down by the nuclear power plant that I live by. Uh-huh. It's a, a nice big open, uh, open pitch where they play, uh, what's that game where you throw a ball at a couple of wickets? Football? Uh, no, it's um, it's like baseball. There's like a bat, cricket, cricket. So there's a cricket pitch there, right? <laughs> oh, so there's oh, cool. uh, so there's a, a a big cricket pitch, and I didn't even know the locusts were in this show. So you know, cricket, locust, cricket. Oh, locust, very good. Locusts. Anyway, uh, so we went down to this cricket pitch, and it's surrounded by uh trees. So what we did was we took all of these signs and uh, we kind of stuck them to. Uh, you know, trees around the pitch and uh, uh, to picnic tables and everything that we could stick. There was a building there and some, uh, some uh, uh, you know, stands where people could watch, some bleachers. Mm-hmm. So we stuck all these things down there. Uh, and now the smart thing would to do would be like, you know, hit a ball and try and hit these things. But uh, uh, we didn't do the smart thing. So what we did was we tied a, uh, uh, we covered my eyes. We put a, put a thing around my eyes and we spun me around for like 10 minutes. So I had Ooh. no idea uh, what direction I was facing. And then I just started to run. Uh-huh. And I ran and I ran and I ran and I ran until I hit something. Wow. And I hit a tree and I got a black eye and it hurt. Uh, but it was worth it because uh, Maggie H was the name on that tree. That is fantastic. I'm sorry you had to get a black eye from it. but That's fine. It was just a little one. I mean, it's kind of... Uh, you know, black eyes, uh, it was like a big nasty one. They healed. They're kind of sensitive to the touch. Sure. So it's just, uh, I try not to get punched there very often now. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Hopefully yeah. you can go a day without getting punched. I know yeah, that's A tough. couple of days, I think. So good. yeah, this is a, somebody's going to punch me. I, I kind of turn the other cheek. There you go. Which is a very uh, good thing to do. Good. All right. Well, I had an exact O knife injury. You had a running into a tree injury, but- it's all in the name of awarding this week's prize to Maggie H. So congrats, Maggie H. I will be in touch via email and we'll figure out a way to get the uh, replica of Dale's RV out to you. If you want to become a patron and be included in future prize draws, we've got eight more to go and they won't happen, of course, until The Walking Dead returns in the fall with episode number 17. But if you want to join, visit patreon.com slash the talking dead. And not only can you get in on these uh, prize draws, but you can feel great about yourself by helping out the podcast and uh, supporting us and everything we're doing here. Um, But you know, if you don't want to do that, that's totally fine. And we certainly don't expect it from anyone. If you do want to help in another way, leave us a star rating or a review on whatever podcast platform you listen. Uh, That's also great. And we very much appreciate everyone who does that and everyone who's a patron. So uh, good times. All right. Just before we wrap up for the night here, Jason, let's talk a little bit about what's happening now. Of course, we are going to do a feedback podcast for this episode of The Walking Dead. However, we're going to have to move it up a day this week to Wednesday 
this week instead of Thursday, which means you have one last day to get your feedback in. So if you're listening to this in time, please keep that in mind and try to send feedback in before kind of Wednesday, early evening Eastern time if you can, uh, because I'm going to need the feedback for that recording that night. Now, let's just also say I could see us doing a second feedback podcast next week if there's plenty, if there's lots of it and some of it doesn't get in in time. So I don't know for sure about that. So try to get it in if you can, but you never know what might happen. So that's our feedback show coming up this Wednesday. It'll be out late Wednesday night. After that, what are we going to do? Well, there's no shortage of Walking Dead stuff going on right now. Jason, do you remember Fear the Walking Dead? Um, yeah, vaguely. <laughs> vaguely. Well, Fear the Walking Dead uh, comes back next week. So no time off. It starts again next week. But before that, even, there is something that's already out, and it's Fear the Walking Dead, Dead in the Water. Do you remember talking Dead about this? Dead in the Water. Uh, vaguely. So this is the sort of prequel, prequel series that explains what happened to that submarine on Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, cool. Now, it's no, not... No, I don't, didn't remember this. So, yeah, we, we talked about it when they announced it. Um, it's, it's, they've, it's weird. They've split it up into six mini-episodes, so they're like five to ten minutes long each, and they all add up to like 45 minutes or something like that, so like one regular episode. It's already available on AMC+. Plus. It came out yesterday as we record this on the 10th. And so it's basically one episode. So I think we should watch those and talk okay. about them um, at some point next week after we've done the feedback show. This will be post Easter weekend. Yep. Um, we'll talk about Dead in the Water. At that point, Fear the Walking Dead will have come back as well. So maybe we'll talk about the, the first episode of Fear, which is season 7B, which I guess is episode uh, nine. Did they do eight? In 7A? No clue. I have this feeling that they may have shortened it by one due to the pandemic, but whatever. Whatever the next episode is for Fear, we can talk about that. And then we've got seven more weeks of Fear the Walking Dead to, to watch. <laughs> and, you know, it hasn't been very good, that show, lately. <laughs> no. And we've talked about this before. Part of me just feels like I'm a glutton for punishment and I, I, I want to watch it for that reason. But I also just, I have to know what is going on with Alicia. Because if you remember, she thinks she's sick. She thinks she's infected, but she's not right. dying from it. And they're doing all this weird shit. So, uh, and there's some other things that are happening on that show that have been announced by AMC that I'm curious to see. So... We'll talk about Fear the Walking Dead for the rest of this season, whether we do one podcast per episode or maybe we do two at a time, we'll figure it out. But at the very least, we'll be talking about the first one that comes back in, you know, a week and a half's time or something like that. Okay, so there's that. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that they during the AMC broadcast of this episode, episode 16 of The Walking Dead last night, they played a promo for um, 
11, season 11C, which I think is mostly from episode 17, which is the next one. It was fun. I've seen it. You should go find it if you want to and watch it. Uh, sure. There's one super interesting clip in there that I guess you may not want to see if you don't want to start kind of guessing what's happening. Um, but maybe we'll talk about that later as well. But anyways, that's, that's like a quick promo for what's coming up on the walking dead. It's out there on Twitter. It's probably on the AMC YouTube channel as well. And for now, all we know is that the walking dead season 11 returns in fall 2022. We don't know the specific date yet, even though there are some rumors out there about when it is going to be. Feels like early October at this point. <laughs> right. Everything's coming out in October. Yeah, pretty much. And then, of course, finally, uh, for now, anyways, on the horizon is Tales of the Walking Dead, and they released a little trailer for that as well. We see many of the main actors that have been cast, Terry Crews, um, others <laughs> who aren't others, coming, yep. aren't coming to mind right now. Oh, Olivia Munn, she's going to be in one, whom I don't think we talked about before. She's no. a, more, a more recent addition to the cast. I do like the Olivia Munn. Well, there you go. So she's going to be there. So we will definitely cover Fear uh, Tales of the Walking Dead over the summer, whenever it comes on. We don't know when that's going to be yet, but we'll definitely be talking about that. I'm way more looking forward to that than the rest of fear, to be honest with you. Just, okay. Yeah, sure. Just because I think it'll be more, more interesting. Um, and then that'll take us through, you know, the summer, maybe there'll be a little bit of time off in the summer and then we'll be back in the fall with more walking dead, the final eight episodes. Pretty crazy to think about actually. Super. Uh, yeah. So that's what's happening over the next little while. Um, let me just remind everybody one more time to visit that link I mentioned off the top about the uh, quick survey on the Walking Dead finale party that we're tentatively planning with uh, the Walking Dead cast. That's podcastica.com slash TWD finale party. Fill that out. Give us an idea of uh, what you're thinking, how you're feeling, and if you might come. That's really what we want to know for now. All right. That's enough talking for me. So we will be back on Wednesday with the feedback show. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, visit talkingdeadpodcast.com. Click on send voicemail at the top to record a message. That'll come straight to us. Visit uh, us on Twitter at Talking Dead and send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All righty. I need to take a sip of my tea here, but uh, I'll... Before I do that, I'll say, until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.